Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio, as well as the Aaron Torres podcast. And Aaron, as always, man, appreciate you joining us this afternoon. How you doing? I'm good. Who are we talking trash about? You tell me. Well, that's kind of what we do is we leave it open to the listener, to the caller, hmm. to the guest. So this is this is your thing. If there's who somebody out there. Who am, I, who am I talking trash to today? Hmm. Let me think here. Okay. Can I go with a random one? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. And this is so not something that any Arkansas fan cares about, but so you guys have probably actually, it might relate with the, with the basketball season that's ahead. You know, everyone's saying Nick Smith is a top five pick. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but over the last couple of days, uh, the number, the, the kid that everyone says is going number one, he's a seven foot four French player. Uh, he's playing a few exhibition games here in the United States, and this is the NBA, obviously. And the reason being to get NBA scouts on him. A report comes out yesterday of, oh, NBA teams and media and everybody are already telling him that he needs to shut it down because he has nothing else to prove this season and he shouldn't even play this year. Can we stop with the shutting down everybody from everything? Like, like Guys become elite level athletes that are good enough to get drafted by the NBA or NFL by not only being naturally skilled, but by generally having a great work ethic. They want to play. Why are we telling young people to stop playing the games that they love, even if millions of dollars are on the line? Oh, by the way, this kid is a professional. He's making money. Um, And, like, I I just don't understand the phenomenon of shutting down. Now, I get if it's a bowl game, if the season's over, you've kind of done your due diligence, and then – you know, Arkansas goes to the Liberty Bowl and, you know, Traylon Burks decides he doesn't want to play or whatever. But I I don't get this phenomenon that the second anyone has success, we're trying to convince them to shut shut it down. It really annoys me, and that is what I am uh, fired up about today, I guess you would say. Aaron, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, to your point, he's already getting paid. So it's not like he stands to lose something that he he already has. He's already there. Like, if you guys got to number one in the book, imagine going to your to your bosses and saying, we're going to take the rest of the year off to protect our vocal cords so we can stay number one next year. I mean, your bosses would, you know, one, they'd fire you, but two, like, they'd be like, what are you even, like, that doesn't even make sense. What are you talking about? Like, I, I just, I don't get this phenomenon. I think it started really with Zion about four or five years ago. Um, you know, we've seen it in football. Remember Will Anderson late last season, people were saying Will Anderson should sit out this year. And by the way, again, there's always re there's always like times where I sort of get it. Like the year that there was COVID and we didn't know if there was going to be a season and, you know, the big 10 cancels their season and then a bunch of guys start training and then, you know, whatever. But I'm just, I don't know. That one bothered me. We don't have to stay on it. I know there's a lot of football to talk about. But if we're trash talking Thursday, that's who I'm trash talking. All the losers that want all these athletes to sit out. No, I, I'm with you, Aaron, because that's just been uh, something that's like, I think even Charles Barkley said it. He's like, we're basketball players. That's what we do. We play basketball. Yes. And so, yes. uh, I, again, I think that not every situation is different, but that's definitely one that I feel like. Uh, you can't you can't really uh, just justify sitting out and, and shutting it down and getting ready. Like I just yeah I'm I'm not on board with that. But uh, there are a lot of things as you mentioned going on here in uh, the sports world, and I know with uh, college and NFL, uh, it's been pretty exciting. And, and one of the things that uh, I saw that you brought up was uh, and some we've been discussing. KJ Jefferson injured may not play this weekend. We don't know for sure. But then you have the situation with Bryce Young. You got the situation with Max Johnson. Situation with Will Levis. 
Uh, I know that injuries are a part of football, especially in college football, but, man, it certainly seems like uh, a lot of the marquee quarterbacks, at least in the SEC, have been dealing with injuries so far this year. It's crazy, you know, and I know that in the last hour or so we've gotten clarification on Max Johnson and and Quinn Ewers, but I don't ever remember uh, a week where on Thursday – I mean, we have injuries every year, every week, whatever. But on a Thursday where we have six quarterbacks, I mean, usually quarterbacks are either playing or they're not playing. I mean, it's very rare. But to have six in one week that we're really not sure about, uh, I've never seen anything like it. And so, you know, I think what it speaks to in the bigger picture um, is I, I do think this is just that time of year. You know, I was listening to some of what Mark Stoops was saying about Will Levis is like, this is the time of year, you know, for the teams that are lucky enough to either have had their bye or about to get their bye. Like, it's coming at the right time. Like, six straight games for, for anybody that's playing this week that hasn't had one yet. Um, you know, it's a lot of football. It's a lot of football when you include training camp and everything else. And so, you know, I, I think it does have an impact on some of the games this weekend. You know, Kentucky is really banged up. South Carolina's coming off their bye. Uh, Tennessee is coming off their bye going into the LSU game. And I think that's just something to monitor in general, not just for, you know, the Arkansas-Mississippi State game or for even games this weekend, but just over the next couple weeks. Who's going into a bye? Who's coming off a bye? Who's a team like LSU, like Arkansas, that has it a little bit later on the calendar? Because you start to get into some of these games, and then all of a sudden teams are missing key players. You know, like even Kentucky as an example, it's not just Will Levis. Like their top tackler is probably not going to play in a second starting linebacker as well. So I just bring it up because I, I think this is an important thing that we probably don't talk about enough. But I think who's getting a bye, who isn't all that stuff, is going to play a huge role over these next couple weeks. It's always going to change your team whenever your starting quarterback is out. But with some of these teams dealing with these quarterback injuries, which of the teams do you think are affected most going from their starting quarterback to a backup? Oh, I mean, they all are. I mean, they really, I mean, listen, well, first of all, you know, Kentucky, when I went to bed last night, was a 12-point favorite over South Carolina. I woke up today, they were a six-point favorite in, in the sports book that I used. And so, I mean, that tells me that the, the sports books believe that one Will Levis isn't playing. Maybe they're overcompensating a little bit, but they believe that the difference between him and whoever his backup is is a full touchdown. Um, you know, Jalen Milrow at, Ar- at at Alabama, it's interesting because – you guys saw him in person. I mean, I think it's easy to look at the final score and say that there was no drop-off, but you guys were in the stadium. I mean, it went from 28 nothing to 23 really quick, and then 28-23, and then Jameer Gibbs rips off a couple runs to kind of make it look more one-sided than it was. So I think they all kind of are different. Um, but I would say, you know, Will Levis seems to be the one. You know, Jalen Milrow got some experience last week. You know, Texas A&M's backup quarterback was actually their starter nobody's been very good for them and I don't think anybody expects them to win and then I think uh you know Quinn Ewers obviously we saw him against Alabama so I don't know if one really sticks out I didn't even mention KJ Jefferson so I don't know if one really sticks out I think they're all really important to their teams for different ways um and I do think the 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 gap in the case of a few of those guys the gap between um you know starter and backup is really 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 big so you with Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio and that Aaron Torres podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Brattle Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, you know, another thing, Aaron, is, you know, you talk about the, the quarterback situations in college and everything, and it's kind of weird because I'm still trying to figure out what college football is right now. Uh, you know, uh, sure. it seemed like Georgia was so dominant. I know one game doesn't decide everything, 
Like, Georgia was so dominant against everybody, but then they were down big to Missouri, and then they had to storm back and win. Alabama looked good against Arkansas, but, you know, they've had some struggles this year. Uh, You know, Ohio State sitting there at number three. We'll see what they do against Michigan State. But it just seems like you can't really at this point in time know who's the bona fide best teams in the country because it seems like there's a lot of teams that can't find the consistency right now. Well, look at even somebody like Oklahoma. I mean, they're coming off the win against Nebraska three or four weeks ago, and we're talking about, oh, you know, Brent Venables has instilled this toughness that they've been missing for all these years. Uh-oh, add that with the offense. They can, And now it's like, oh, my God, they're terrible. And so, you know, that's another one. Um, I, you know, it's just a really, you know, it's, it's a really weird year. Um, I, I don't know that as of right now that I feel like there's a definitive favorite, um, but I would say maybe it's Ohio State, right? I mean, I think maybe it's Ohio State. Ohio State has been steamrolling everybody, but even they haven't been on the road. Um, And so what I think it's going to make for is I think most of these conference races are wide open. And I think these four playoff spots are really wide open too, right? I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of a team that I think you can definitively sit here and say, like, I feel really good that this team is going to make the playoff this year. I mean, you know, even Alabama, they still have to go to Tennessee next week, to Ole Miss. We don't know Bryce Young's status. Um, So you look at them. I mean, I I think it'd be easy to just kind of lump them in, but who really knows? Uh, Ohio State still has to beat a Michigan team that beat them last year that looks really good in their own right. So I I think it's really a fun year because I, I do think, you know, if you told me Michigan, Clemson, even a USC gets into the mix, how about this? Utah has destroyed everybody since they lost to, to Florida in week one. I mean, could they run the table? They have UCLA this week and then USC next week. I mean, if they win those two games, those are going to be two top 15 wins, and we're going to be talking about them as the sixth, seventh best team in the country. How about the fact, by the way, uh, uh, Oregon has destroyed everybody since they played um, Georgia in week one. And so these are all just, you know, fringe teams. I, I still think, you know, the, the betting favorites would be Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia in some order. But I think to your point, John, you're right. None of them have looked completely dominant in every game that they've played. And I think there are plenty of uh, I think there are plenty of questions about all of them looking ahead. You also have teams that have played well and are undefeated. And within the last week, they've jumped into the top 25 with TCU, UCLA and Kansas. So there's another storyline with uh, some teams that are playing well and people are starting to recognize. Zero doubt. And, and you know, I think, I think you know, in some ways it makes for a more interesting season. Um, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll learn a lot about a lot of these teams. You know, obviously Kansas having the national spotlight on them this year or this week, excuse me, against TCU. Like, that's just real. Like, I think it's cool for college football. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the Red River shootout is awesome. You know, Texas A&M, Alabama's awesome. But to have the, the college football spotlight on Kansas, I think, is really cool. UCLA, you know, near where I live, I understand why, you know, people kind of, you know, make light of them because of some of the crowds that they get at the Rose Bowl, and that's another conversation for another day. Um, but, you know, I, I, I look at them and say that's a really good football team. I don't think people realize the offense is basically, you know, as good as anybody in the Pac-12 including USC, and the defense has taken a step up this year. So what I think it shows, guys, and, and it's something I'm sure we've talked about before, you know, with the money that's at the, the Power 5 level now, and I know the SEC and, the, and the, the Big Ten have more, but I think everybody's just more invested in football. I mean, I think everybody really is where, 
um, you know, Kansas doesn't have an excuse not to pay their coach five, six million dollars a year if he has success this year. UCLA obviously broke the bank to get Chip Kelly, and it took a while, but it appears as though um, you know things are turning around in the right direction. TCU's a great story, so I, I just think it makes for a fun sport. Again, I, you know, it's always fun when the Alabamas and the Oklahomas and whoever are really good, but I think it's cool to see some of these other stories as well. Aaron, uh, also uh, looking around the the world of sports too, and especially. Uh, when it comes to uh, college football, it's fascinating just to see so many coaches already in the Power Five who have lost their jobs. Like the Wisconsin mm-hmm. one was pretty wild with Paul Christ. Uh, but I know that uh, they're going to be paying, I think, $11 million, so you can't really feel sorry for them. But is it just me or does it seem like year after year after year, the coaches, especially in the Power Five, are getting fired at a, at a rapid rate and not even letting them finish out the season more so than we've seen in the previous years? No, it's definitely happening faster, and it's tough because, you know, there's a reason why it's done. It's because, you know, you. it's because the way the recruiting period works now, obviously the December signing day, you really have to – you can't wait until that last week, right? Because if you wait till that last week, then, you know, you're scrambling to just keep your class together, and then from there you're also um, trying to not only keep your class together – but trying to fill out other spots. And so why things like this are done is because in some cases you either know exactly who you want and you hire them immediately, but also at the lower levels, you know, there's times where you can bring in a coach in the middle of the season. I mean, my alma mater last year, um, you know, UConn fired Randy Edsel. They hired Jim Mora in November and he had a, he had a chance to evaluate the team. Obviously, at the time, there were no transfer portal windows. He was recruiting the portal in November, trying to get kids to come visit. Uh, And I think it was a huge advantage. Clay Helton at USC gets fired, and he got hired at Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern beat Nebraska this year. So it's wild, John. I get why it's done. But what I would also say is, you know, I do feel bad for the kids, right? I mean, you're asking these kids now basically to be committed to football 365 days a year. You're working out all summer. You're working out all spring, spring practice, whatever. Um, and then you're quitting on the season by firing the coach a week or two into the season. I, you know, it's a disappointing thing. It's one, like I said, where um, you wish there was another way, but you do kind of understand why it's being done the way it is, even if you don't necessarily like it. A couple of teams in the top ten in Tennessee and Ole Miss from the SEC. Who are you more of a believer in at this point, Tennessee or Ole Miss? Uh Probably Tennessee. Uh, you know, that Ole Miss game, I mean, let's be honest, Kentucky probably should have won that game. I mean, two fumbles on the final two possessions, two missed PATs, a missed field goal. I mean, really, if you if you watch that game, and I know you guys probably didn't have a chance to because of the Arkansas-Alabama game, but Ole Miss easily could have lost that game. And that's not that they're a bad team. It's just that I'm a more of a believer in them than I am of uh, – or I'm a little bit less of a believer in them than I am of Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's really good. They obviously have the one really big deficiency, which is pass defense. We saw everything that Anthony Richardson was able to do against them, but they just score so quickly that I think they're going to put, you know, they're going to put pressure on pretty much every team they play this week at LSU, next week in Alabama, because you can't take a play off because they can rip off 60, 70 yards, and so uh, on any given play, and so it'll be interesting, and it'll be interesting because. You know, I do think Alabama right now, I, I think as long as there's no long-term injuries with, with, with um, Bryce Young, I do think they're probably, I, I think, a step ahead, a, a cut above everybody else in the West. I'm not sold, though, as we talked about earlier with Georgia, 
that if Tennessee catches them on the right night or if Georgia starts a little slow, that things can't be interesting. But, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, Joe. I think that, to me, those are two of the more intriguing teams, not only in the SEC but in college football, is Ole Miss and Tennessee. So I know we were talking a little bit about coaches and you know losing their jobs and everything like that. In the SEC, I think Brian Harson's probably the one that everyone thinks is uh, not going to be here next year for Auburn. Is there anyone besides him, though, that you feel like could find themselves in a situation where they're not coaching in the SEC next season? Huh, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about it. Um, you know, I mean, in theory, Mark Stoops is going to be a candidate at, at places. I don't think he's going anywhere. Plus, he told us that it, that it's a football school at Kentucky, so why are you going to leave a football school since it's a football school? Um, but other than that, nothing really jumps out to me. I'm trying to think. You know, Lane, You know, I hear a lot of Lane Kiffin talk to, to Auburn and other jobs. I could be crazy. I, th- I think he's happy at, at Ole Miss. It's not to say that if a really, really good job didn't pop up that he wouldn't consider it. And I do think, like, as we get into the NIL world, it seems as though Ole Miss is a little bit behind some other schools. And I don't know if he stays there forever. But I've heard, like, you know, Lane Kiffin leaving Ole Miss for Auburn. I, I don't know that I see that. I mean, you, let me ask you guys a question. I know we might be up against the break here, so cut me off. But is Ole Miss that much better, of a worse of a job than Auburn? Because I, I know Tommy Tuberville a million years ago left one for the other. I don't see them as that much different. Do you guys? I mean, I, I could be totally wrong on this. I'm curious for your perspective. I think Ole Miss is a better job simply because at least they'll have patience with you with the administration. At Auburn, man, they expect results right away. And even if they get those results, they want them more so. Never and then enough, right? if you don't deliver, they're ready to run you out of town. No, you know, and it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you guys, you know, I spoke with somebody yesterday that – um, you know, is affiliated, I would just say, with somebody who could be a candidate at Auburn. And we talked a lot about the strengths and weaknesses of the job of it. It is a good job, and there's a lot of talent, but, you know, that stuff matters, guys. And I know you guys know this, but more for the audiences. You know, I think we all – I think we're all entertained by the coaching carousel stuff, and I'd be lying if I said that I'm not entertained and interested in it as well. But I do think if it's your life, if you're asking your wife, if you're asking your kids to come out of school and change school, like it's a tough ask. And, and, and I'm not saying that they'll, they'll never be able to hire a coach. I'm just saying like, you know, to go to a place like that where there's been so much chaos, where it's hard to, to, to maintain that job, where you're coaching for your job basically the day you get there, I do think that stuff matters. And I do think it would make for an interesting situation um, if that job were to open, because I think Auburn fans maybe have a little bit of a, a misguided idea of how many people are interested. Some maybe don't, but I, I think exactly what you just said, Joe, it could be a huge factor when that job does open. Yeah, I think coaches always look at different things and, and what they like. I've always felt like Auburn's not only uh, an impatient place, but you know the two teams that they're always going to compare you to is Georgia and Alabama, and those teams yeah. are superior. Great call. So, like, you know, because if you go to Ole Miss, I mean, it's Mississippi State is usually the team, and maybe an LSU. Sure. But, yeah, to me it's just always been about, uh, you know, who, who who do they expect you to be? And at Ole Miss, they just expect you to be better than Mississippi State most of the time, and I think most people are, are okay with it. Yeah, they're totally okay with that. But, hey, man, we're up against it, Aaron, as always. We appreciate you joining us, man. Great stuff. Keep enjoying. Keep up the good work, man, of this uh, football season, man. And I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. All right, fellas. Thank you both. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.